can see by the way you look at me, Vince. You can't stand the fact that I like to drink a few beers. You can't stand the fact that I do this every now and then. That I do this, that I do this every now and then. That I use colorful language. I use colorful language. You can't stand the fact. You can't stand the fact. You must conform. Defiance will not be tolerated. Conform. You must respect authority. Who the hell do you think you are? You will comply. Who the hell, the hell, the hell do you think you are? You must conform. Ladies and gentlemen, do the Compliance is good. Now I'm proud to say I know exactly who I am. stack the cards against Stone Cold Steve Austin by having a little timekeeper, the esteemed Gerald Briscoe, uh-oh, a bell ringer, Hall of Famer, Patterson, and himself as a special referee. Do you think there's a conspiracy, folks? You must respect authority. Vince McMahon, I know you hate my guts, and I feel the same way about you. Who the hell, the hell, the hell do you think you are? Defiance. of the New Blood Rising podcast, part of our series called The Perfect Tens. I am William Rankin, and today, today I wanted to talk about, there, there was a match I've been thinking about for a bit, because I've been, I've been going through these, and it's, it's hard, you know, like, when I'm going through a thing about matches that I love, that could be considered in part of this Perfect Ten, it's hard because there are a lot of really iconic matches you can choose from. We've already done a few on this pod between myself uh, and Charlie and Jason in the near future is going to be having one that's, I think I, it is iconic. I, I will say that. And it's probably actually going to become more so now because of a certain network piece that's going to be coming out soon on the WWE network. But what's tough is trying to find, those aren't the only perfect tens, you know, like I understand like the Meltzer rating, like, you know, there for a time there were a, a few sacred matches that had the five-star rating, but th- this isn't about that. You know, it really isn't. Like, what I th- there are some matches that you could say are a perfect 10, and they could be just a match from Raw or from Nitro that were maybe nine minutes, and it was like segment two and whatever, but it's a perfect 10, and it's all, it's really more about like why you think it's a 10, like what really speaks to you about it. That's what I find to be the most fascinating. So uh, I've been tossing this one around a bit and I've been tossing it through my head just trying to think back because this one is a match I love. I'm, I've, I feel that personal connection towards it. I was like, yes, I need to do this one. We're talking in May 1998 is from the Over the Edge 98 pay-per-view from the WWF. It is Dude Love 
challenging Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF title with Vince McMahon as a special guest referee, along with also The Undertaker is special enforcer, if you want to call him that. Then on, <laughs> you also have Pat Patterson as the special guest ring announcer and Gerald Briscoe as the bell ringer. So there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot going on with this match. And it's, um, to kind of get into it, I'll tell you, this is from my favorite period of wrestling. I think if, if you all have heard me on, on Henry's Rideitude podcast, I've done a few episodes from 1998, and that worked out very well because I love 98. 98 is, it, it is my favorite year. And a lot of it's because it was the, it was my first real year back into wrestling. And that's when it was, it felt exciting again. It felt really, really exciting. And it honestly hadn't felt exciting like that in a long time. My fandom with wrestling, I think I talked about some of this also on the, um, on two of the Perfect Tens, one having to do with Brett and Perfect, and then with Macho Man and, and Ultimate Warrior. Ni- uh, 91 is when I really started getting into wrestling. And that's such a good three, that that pay-per-view run of Rumble, some, uh, WrestleMania, and SummerSlam is great stuff. I feel like I definitely stuck with it into 92, but I could tell you that um, it definitely felt like it started to change. I mean, first of all, like my guy, Hogan, is is gone. or It's it's hard to tell. Like you're, it, it was treated like he was leaving at the time. And then I feel like my wrestling fandom picked up when Brett won the belt because it was like, oh, yeah, man, I really like this guy. This is great. But I'll tell you, like, I feel like the last time... I was really into it. it was probably 94. 94 was probably the last year I was really into it. And then basically from the period of after WrestleMania 10, I'll tell you, probably up until December of 1997. So that we're talking there about three and a half years. I was out. And boy, what what a dummy, right? Like that's when that's like that it's like if you're playing the stock market and you get out at a certain number. Because, you know, you're just, you're, you're not, you're unsure, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to ride the wave anymore because you don't know if it's going to just, if you've, if basically you've already hit its peak and you're just going to end up with far less than you did the previous day or whatever, well, you end up getting out and then what happens like a week later, it's like record high and it continues on this record high and you're like, damn it, I should have stayed in. So that's, that's, I, I joked with myself, I was like, and you really missed out on the you know, rise of NWO you know, the Austin 316 moment, the 97 uh, WrestleMania match with him and Brett. So I remember when I came back, it was in December of 97 was when I started hearing about it. I was a freshman in high school and I had heard from a friend about, about WWF. Like this guy had met in high school and, you know, we connected, we talked about wrestling and I was like, oh yeah, man, I used to love wrestling. And he started telling me about what wrestling was going on now. He's like, dude, there's this guy. You've got to see this guy. His name is his name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, at first I was like, like stunning Steve Austin? Because obviously like where we're at in season five, like I was I was paying attention to WCW back then. I definitely knew who stunning Steve Austin was. I was like, Stone Cold Steve Austin, what is this? So I remember I remember sitting down watching I think it was it ended up being in January. I've asked Henry this before. It's one, it's, yeah, I feel like it's, it's somewhere after the D Generation X pay-per-view and it's definitely before the Royal Rumble. 
there is a raw, and I'll tell you what happened. Here, all of a sudden, um, they cut to the they cut to the parking lot, and here comes this white truck, and it's just barreling in. And it actually may have been the black, it may have been the black truck. I'm not positive, but it was a truck. The, uh, the headlights are um, the headlights are on the high beams, and you hear the horn, you know, blaring. And then all of a sudden, the camera goes over to the driver's side, and this this bald guy sticks his head out the out the window, saying, "Why don't you get the hell out the way?" And I was like, "Oh." Whoa, whoa, whoa! Like wrestlers didn't talk like that. They, they you didn't see that on on television and with wrestling, the era I was watching. And I just remember like that was Steve Austin. And I remember that night, like the next thing you know, like he's coming down the hallway. He's like, "Why don't you go take a look and see what I did, the world's strongest man?" And then you go back there, and there's just like like Vader just lay. I'm sorry, Mark Henry. It might have been Vader actually. I don't know. He's like one of those big guys just laying in a heap with a trash can just mangled beside him, and it was like. Who is this guy? And then, of course, not long after that is when he starts just beating up everybody to make his claim that I'm going to win this Royal Rumble and I'm going to tear every one of you apart. So I was, I mean, I was in. It That was all I needed. And then from that point, I was just an avalanche. Everything, I, I went, I backtracked, I figured out everything I'd missed, and before he knew it, I was back in. And, and all this is all happening right as Austin's on the rise. So... When you start with WrestleMania 14, he wins the belt. Awesome moment. I watched that with a scrambled pay-per-view. I could pull up the pay-per-view channel, didn't pay for anything. I didn't have any special box. Couldn't see it, but I could hear it. Good enough for me. It was it was it was years ahead of its time. It was doing the it was almost like doing the podcast. It's like I just want to hear it. I don't care. And it was great hearing him win the the title that night. But that night after is where things really get rolling. The feud with Dude Love is fascinating because it's Dude Love is just a proxy for for Vince McMahon, and the McMahon Austin feud, which will, of course, just just transcend um, this business. The interesting thing became like just the escalation of this feud because it started before Mania, but that night after he drops him with the stunner, he gets arrested. The next week he comes out. Now Austin's wearing a suit, and you're like, oh. What's going on here? And Vince is like, I've basically he's tamed the rattlesnake. Like the rattlesnake has seen uh, the light on this, and he is going to be a, a new corporate WWF champion. Well, of course, what does Austin do? He takes a nice little friendly picture with him, which I I, I wish we could have seen that picture. I don't think we, I I need to go look and see if that picture ever got put out there. If it did, that's it's just the funniest thing. Him and McMahon posing with the belt, and they're all smiling with suits on. And then, of course, he just strips his clothes down and says that's the last time you're ever going to see it. He ain't turning. He didn't change for anybody. He, de- I, I'm almost certain he debuted a new shirt that night underneath uh, the button down. He tears it off, and he's it's so it, it it's so weird. And I've talked with Charlie about this. Like, it, it looks like he's just in his underwear because he has no knee pads on with his wrestling boots and this just this shirt. And he's just like, hey, uh, uh, you're expecting, you know, oh, he's going to drop McMahon with the stunner. No, he's just going to punch him in the dick and walk off. And it's like, oh, okay, interesting. But still, nevertheless, it's funny because it, it, once again, Vince McMahon has been upended by this guy. So what does this lead to? Of course, probably one of like one of the first signature Raws of like the Attitude Era where it's like, guess what, folks? Austin's going to fight McMahon. What? Yes, it's going to happen. And what's so good is like the, the best, the absolute best... Monday Night Raws and even Nitros to this degree, 
you do something in segment one that sets up something you really want to see in like the final segment of the night and it's going to be talked about the entire time and builds incredible anticipation. That's the best television when it comes to wrestling. Monday Night Raw is where they, the segment one is a promo that just leads to a match in segment two. That doesn't do anything. That's not fun. That's not fun because then like what's left to anticipate the rest of the show? it loses that momentum. That's something I've always really loved about wrestling television is the setup in segment one that you have to wait now to see what the payoff's going to be in that final segment of the night. Now, anyway, all right, so Austin McMahon, it's going to go down. It's going to go down. They tie the one arm behind his back, and but still, it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like, I mean, do you want to talk about a left turn? All of a sudden, dude, love, dude loves music starts playing, and you're like, what? And he shows up there on the ramp and he glides on down to the ring. Now it should be noted, like after WrestleMania, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie had to have like a rematch to really settle that dumpster. I guess it was a dumpster match for the WWF title because they didn't put the outlaws in the right dumpster at Mania, basically. Well, you you guys know what happens in that match. The the it's when DX forms, the new and the signature version of DX forms, and they just destroy Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, and Chainsaw Charlie, Terry Funk. They just rip them apart to a point where the crowd, who you can tell this is a crowd that's not quite into the Attitude Era yet because they're doing a classic wrestling thing, which is chant the chant the name of the biggest baby face. Except when you chant Austin's name, he's not coming out. Well, one, number one, he's he's been arrested. Number two, he doesn't give a crap about those guys. Why would he come out and help them? So Foley cuts that promo where he's just really somber and talking about how it, it really upset him. It bothered him. They chanted that. And then he quits. And then all of a sudden he shows up now as dude love. And then, you know, he puts the claw. He tries to go after McMahon. He ends up going after Austin. And then that's what sets up the Unforgiven match. Unforgiven match, definitely. It, it sometimes gets overshadowed by this over-the-edge one. The over-the-edge edge one's definitely better. But the Unforgiven match is still a really good watch, especially from this, adi- this, this part of the Attitude Era. But that Unforgiven match is all set up with the premise of Will McMahon screw Austin. And it's it's interesting because, you know, Montreal only happened in November. This is roughly like six months later. They're going to do they're they're going to they're going to borrow from that event, that, that real life, that situation and put that into this actual like just kayfabe wrestling match. I was like, Whoa, this is wild. And so. Will McMahon do the same thing? Will he have the bell ringer just, uh, will he have him just ring the bell after the, the match is done? But the Unforgiven match goes off pretty much like, you know, it, it, uh, it's a great brawl between Foley, you know, and I'll do that sometimes this episode. I'll interchange, I'll just flip between Foley and Dude Love. But you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Foley and Austin have great chemistry. Foley being a really good comp to Austin's style at this point. Like the kind of wrestler he's been, he's morphed into since the Owen Hart incident. Um, So that match is really solid. And of course, it boils down to that finish where McMahon is helping Foley up, or or, yeah, I think it's, and uh, Austin goes to swing the chair. He ends up cracking McMahon. It ends up being a DQ finish for Dude Love to win, so that you can tell that they're trying to push this on a little bit longer. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's fine because I I don't think I was tired yet of seeing this this encounter. 
it's that next four weeks in between Unforgiven and Over the Edge that is awesome television. It is, it, it's, it's some of the best McMahon stuff because it's before he's like really insane, which when I say that, you're like, okay, what year was that? Because he's been pretty much insane this entire time. But you guys know what I mean. Before, like, he goes completely off the rails. This is just your classic. Like, this is your your bad guy authoritative figure who is just trying to get rid of the, the number one baby face. And so it starts off with, you know, once again, another, another, another sad sack dude love. And it... I think he quits again, kind of, or he wants to. And McMahon convinces him to to have this match against Terry Funk, which ends up being, I think, a Falls Count Anywhere match with Patterson as the referee. They And it's a great Raw match. Austin's on commentary, and uh, I can't remember. No, no, McMahon's, I don't think McMahon is too. I think it's just Austin. And it's a really good brawl between Foley and uh, and Funk. And the and it ends up finishing up with Foley getting the win. Uh, McMahon comes out with the dude love gear, the dude dudettes, and he's uh, they're all dancing, they're having a good time. And it's like okay, dude loves back, dude loves going to be wrestling Austin again, but this time now they really they decide to really put the put the blocks up against Austin, really set up the obstacles for him to overcome. So it gets announced they're going to have the afford, they're going to have the the the, the guest spots. McMahon puts himself as the referee, and then he has Briscoe and Patterson working alongside. And it's like, this is just funky. This is weird. And I love these next couple weeks because the one week Austin comes in, and they they try to bar him from the arena. And <laughs> the way he talks to the security guard is awesome. He says, he says I'm going to go back. I'm going to drink a couple of beers when I come back. You're going to let me in or we're going to have a problem. Well, the guy doesn't let him, and they have a problem. He throws, like, just throws him as hard as he can into this garage, like this, um, this, you know, your, one of your, like, garage doors at the arena and just smashes him into that. And Austin gets arrested. I love the apology, though. The, I love this world where, like, all you have to do is just apologize and you, and you don't have to go to jail. But what does Austin say? I apologize for being so damn stupid. And then he ends up... <laughs> He ends up going into a match against Briscoe and Patterson. Now, what's really funny is this is an era where the WWF champion week to week was just assaulting 50-year-old men and just beating them up, and it just was the funniest thing, especially when both of them take stunners because Briscoe just he flips forward almost like it's a snapmare, and, and Patterson just kind of... Ugh! Slaughters the referee. He ends up trying that Cobra clutch. Bad idea, pal. He always another signature stunner victim of the time period. I don't know if he does the. I don't remember if he does the push-ups afterwards, but that was always the signature of a uh, <laughs> of a slaughter stunner was to do the the push-ups afterwards. But that's also this is also the match where McMahon dressed up as a Stone Cold fan hits him with a chair. Dude Love surprises him and they attack him. And they get him down. The go home episode is freaking awesome i had said on henry's podcast this is one of if it's not my favorite raw of all time it's right there which is crazy to say i know because like in the grand scheme of things it's rather insignificant but again segment one's awesome sets up some something sets up stuff throughout the night in this case mcmahon and the guys come out they got security with them and they're gloating about how they uh they took care of Austin last week. They're 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 gloating about how they're gonna take care of business and all their specific roles. 
on Sunday at, at uh, over the edge. And then there's the line where McMahon says, I assaulted Stone Cold and got away with it. And then that's when Austin comes out with a big old smile on his face. And this is when pro wrestling's logic when it comes to law enforcement is at its best. Because he says, you just told the world that you had, that you assaulted Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's exactly what you said. He looks at the cops and is like, I want you to do your jobs and arrest that man right now. And it's freaking hilarious because the cops are like, well, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. And they end up putting McMahon in the cuffs. Briscoe and Patterson try to break it up and Austin intervenes again. And he's like, I'm not a lawyer but isn't that considered obstruction of justice? And look at, if you watch this, the Conan O'Brien looking cop looks at him like, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. And they end up booking both of them. And it's awesome. And more, more, I mean, I just love the fact that, uh, that Austin then kicks him in the gut and pours a beer on him. Pretty sure the cops don't let you do that. Get a free shot in, but eh, you know what? Forget it. You're Steve Austin. It's hilarious. It is so much fun to watch this part of the show. I'm telling you. Um, uh, so then McMahon and those guys get arrested. They get arrested. They get put in the squad car. And it's rather funny because they're just kind of sitting there in between these different segments. And, and I love the way McMahon looks. The hair's all messed up. It's covered in beer. And, Mc, and Austin does the same thing. He lets them out. You know, it makes him apologize. And it's this hilarious apology for McMahon. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then he has that look on his face like he's going to get revenge. And he thinks he does because he's going to put Austin in a match against The Undertaker with himself as a special guest referee. And it's interesting then because as soon as as soon as soon they come out, or as soon as Undertaker comes out, he just just bullies Vince McMahon. Just bullies him. It ends up choke slamming him, and it's like, what the hell? Well, then Kane comes out before he can do a tombstone. They kind of brawl out of the way, and then Briscoe and Patterson come to try and help poor Vince, who's been been choke slammed. Glass breaks, my friend, and that's when old Steve Austin comes out. And I just love that the camera doesn't cut; it just pans with Austin going up to the up up the stairs into the ring. Guess what? Patterson and Briscoe both get stunned again. <laughs> He takes Vince and he ties him up in the rope. And he's going to crack him, like just smash him with a chair. Foley runs in in his suit with a chair himself to try and break it up. And what does Stone Cold do? He intercepts that immediately. And it's a hellacious looking chair shot. Probably doesn't age well by 2020 standards. But at the time, you're just like, God dang. Just cracks Foley. Cracks. Cracks Foley's chair into Foley's face. And it's a sickening sound that just leaves Foley in a crumpled heap. And that's how the go home raw goes off. It's it's awesome. I just that 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 was so that was such an exciting show. So exciting to watch. Now, could I tell you a lot of stuff happened in between those segments? No, not really. But that's okay. I'm I, that's not you know, a lot of those shows, like there there's a lot of filler, but if you have a couple of really strong bits, it's a good episode. But anyway, um again, I, I I can't tell you how, how, how much fun this was just to follow at the time because this is May of 98. My freshman year is pretty much done. And, you know, you're getting ready for summer. And Charleston, you know, that, that, that weather's really picked up. It's great. You know, uh, it, was, it, it was just a fun time to also be watching, to be watching wrestling. 
And I can tell you those Monday nights, you anticipated them. It was so much fun to, it was, it made going to school on Monday fun because you're like, okay, as soon as, as soon as I get out, go home, get some homework done and then watch and watch raw. So I'll tell you, man, this is my, I've said it. It's my favorite era. It's probably my favorite part of the attitude era. Like I was saying also probably, um, it's nothing against the year 2000, but when Austin's not there, it's just not the same. Uh, for me, you know, I think Charlie said the same thing when we did the Rumble 01 episode. So uh, I just, I just, I just absolutely loved this period. That's why I like going through and revisiting this storyline. And just, I, I think it does bear mentioning this is probably the best Austin match of his, of, uh, of this year. Uh, I Not to take anything away from the SummerSlam match, but I think this match with Foley is better. And I think outside of Triple H and The Rock and the latter match at SummerSlam, this would this would be match of the year, I think. So um, I'll tell you what, let's take a break. Let's hear from Anchor. I'm going to get another, I'm going to get myself another Steve Weiser and then we're going to open up a can of whoop-ass on this match from Over the Edge 98. Hey, this is the franchise, Shane Douglas, and you're listening to The New World Rise. <laughs> yeah. All right, so now we're back. Let's get ready. To, let's get into this match here with um, with Austin and Dude Love from '98. So, uh, with all of this entrances and all the stuff, this is about 35, maybe 40 minutes uh, on this pay per view. And be honest with you guys, and definitely to get the full perspective of this pay per view, I recommend going and watch and going. And listening to the Raw Attitude podcast to hear Henry break it down. It's a um, not great pay-per-view overall. Uh, again, this isn't in your house, so it's not like... it's These pay-per-views, I think, for the most part, still were not... They were still booked in that way. Where like a lot of these matches are just more so set up for the bigger pay-per-views going on later. This is definitely an exception because this feud with Austin McMahon and with Foley in the mix really, really was taking the wrestling world by storm. And it was starting to have that, that really cool crossover effect where people were people outside of wrestling were getting, getting word of this. They're like, Oh, this is, this is pretty cool. This isn't the wrestling I'm used to. And they were becoming fans. All right. So you have the, the announcements or the, um, yeah, the, the ring announcing by Patterson is hysterical. You should go listen to it just to hear him reading off the reading off the cards. The disdain. I'll tell you. You want to hear some disdainy Jim Ross? Jim Ross. This is it tonight. Awesome. His anger throughout this is great. But Patterson reading off the cards. The way his English sometimes doesn't line up because he's uh, he's Canadian and he's native French. But it's funny hearing some of it, some of his lines and how he botches them. But, you know, he introduces everybody in this grand fashion, introduces McMahon, Gerald Briscoe, and Dude Love, and then he refuses to announce Steve Austin because he thinks he's a bum <laughs> and a punk. And it's so funny because then Austin Austin comes out anyway. I think we need to mention at this point, this is Milwaukee. Milwaukee, underrated city for professional wrestling. I'm not, I'm not sure if we've tackled another show. I know we did... 
We had Super Brawl 2, which took place in Milwaukee, but Milwaukee also had, uh, you know, uh, King of the Ring 96. I'm trying to think of some other events right off the top of my head. I don't have any, but every time, they've been wonderfully vocal. They've been a great audience. Now, I'll tell you, some of their chants are not great tonight. I think, Henry, you can, if, if you want to hear more specifically about those, you can go check out uh, his pod again to go research that, but... Um, once this thing gets rolling, oh, got to say though, beforehand, there was this, so it's at one point, I can't remember if it was how, if it was McMahon who had said it or what, they had thrown this thread out in the buildup and, or it was either in the buildup or it may have been actually in some of the interviews just before the match started. They talked about if anybody would, who would, nobody would come out there for Steve Austin. And, and it was like, the question became, would anyone come out there to check McMahon's power to make sure that this was being done right? Basically be that Mike Tyson role? Well, that's that's answered. It's The Undertaker. The Undertaker comes out to tremendous fanfare and is watching over this match at ringside. <laughs> he wants about disapproving Taker. This looks like a Taker's like, God dang, man. Hey, 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 swagger. I just wanna man, I just wanna go home and get some Kodiak and just sit back and watch some Looney Tunes, man. I ain't got. I don't want to be out here for this shit. He does not look very interested, is what I'm getting at. Not at all. But um, once he comes out and this thing gets started, I'm. It's a. It's basically a three a three stage match. Part part one, uh, stage one being in the ring, a little bit around the ringside area where there's some tremendous foley bumps. Um, he takes a couple bumps, like getting knocked out of the ring, where he just plants it face first. He takes a clothesline off the guard where guardrail. Where he just does like a th- like almost a three sixty and breaks his neck. It's incredible just the uh, the bumps he takes for Austin. But again, it's what's good about it is he has that comparable brawling style, which really helps Austin. And 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 what's good is like with with someone of Steve Austin's style, it helps elevate Mick Foley too because you just got guys who are throwing kind of bombs at each other and really just throwing each other into different. Objects, things, landscapes, or trying to use objects on one another. Uh, the match really picks up the steam in that stage two part where they go to the they go to the outside and they go up toward the ramp. And I will say I, this is probably one of the first times I, I remember the the specific staging for a WWF pay per view with like the wrecked cars and all this stuff. Austin bumps like crazy for Foley. He gets thrown into a couple cars, breaks through a couple windshields. He tries to do a stunner on the car. He gets thrown off. You see Foley get attacked. I'll tell you what, guys. The other thing I want to see, at one point there needs to be a clip show of every time Steve Austin has tried to pile drive somebody on the outside. I think he's done as much as Ric Flair's tried to come off the top rope, and it's never worked. He's Austin has always backdropped on the on the floor. He just needs to stop doing that. But um, they continue, they continue the battle out there and what's funny is once when they're on the outside McMahon as referee he's his counts in the beginning of the match are pretty much down the middle he's obviously flustered anytime Austin has the advantage and he's flustered every time dude level only gets a two count on Austin but he doesn't try and mess with him at all not really because the specter of the Undertaker's there which that made sense because there's no reason why heel special referees are a tough sell in wrestling because 
What's to stop them from just being like, quick count, one, two, three, and it's over with within 10 seconds. But you have The Undertaker out there who's just threatening impending doom to, to Vince if he does anything. But when they're on the outside, Vince decides to go over and tell Patterson, remind everybody this is a no-disqualification uh, match. You The disdainy Jim Ross, Jim Ross comes in, and he's like, Since when? Since now? Since when? And it's so funny. And then when they announce again, oh, this is a Falls Count Anywhere match. Well, that's this, this, this not fair. Since when? It's so funny. It's so funny just to hear how angry Jim Ross gets about the rule changes in the match. Um, the spot, it's kind of weird where it happens. It's not, it's not exactly clear, but Austin does get busted open. It's a pretty good blade job, but at the same time, like, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't last as long as something like, like WrestleMania 13 or even what we saw at Royal Rumble 01. Like it's, it's kind of it's pretty much dried out by, by the end of the match. But still, like, the bumps that both he and Foley take are, are I mean, it it shows you this match is is going it's going beyond where they went in Unforgiven, and they're really just pushing each other pushing each other because. By this point, you haven't seen, fully hadn't been in this type of position, so he's he's trying to make the most of it himself. And I think this match does a lot for him. You know, I mean, obviously, what happens at King of the Ring that's iconic, but which which should never be lost is uh, these matches he did with Austin and and everything he did in the storyline because he's not working at all a sympathetic heel, like he's a straight up heel, and he's the worst kind because he's allied with Vince McMahon. And he just does a great job of just getting over physically. And the way he's bumping for Austin, he makes Austin look like a million bucks, especially when it comes down to just a lot of those brawl tactics. All right, so now once we get back into the ring and you've got the busted open Austin, you've got Foley trying to take advantage of it. Uh, they're great. I think this is before this became like a his one of his big signatures, which I can't believe was never in WC or WWF No Mercy, is he um, fully gets a guy in the corner, kind of gets him knocked down in the corner, and then he runs and just drives his knee into their face. This looks really stiff on Austin. It looks stiff. It looks snug. It looks really, really good. It looks devastating. And so then he he has uh, Patterson give him a chair, and you're just waiting on The Undertaker. Like, what a, what a, what are you waiting on, man? Like, Everybody's now really starting to get involved, and, and McMahon's patience is wearing thin, and you can tell like he's really wanting to to do whatever it takes to get this match over with, and so that's why he's facilitating the chair exchange with Patterson and with Foley, and then Foley hits the double arm DDT on the chair, almost gets the three count, and then that's when it's time for Austin to turn turn up the heat, and Austin gets back into the match, and I'll tell you like. They do a good job of having some of those false those false hope spots for him where he's going to make a comeback, but then fully cuts him off. It happens a couple times. It gets you revved up, and then it calms you back down immediately. But then once it starts rolling here in this third stage, once they're back in the ring, you know, he just, once again, just destroys Foley with a chair shot. Uh, a lot of great exploding clotheslines, too, from Austin, the kind that just fully just bumps so perfectly for. His bumping in this match is really good. And I mean, we'll, I'll go more specifically on one uh, in a little bit. But um, <laughs> Austin goes for a pen, and McMahon before was grudgingly counting those two counts. Now, no, just staring at him angrily. The crowd boos, and 
Stone Cold goes up there and starts, you know, what the hell? What are you doing, Vince? Why don't you make the damn count? Well, you know why he's not making the count. But it's all a setup because as, as McMahon's toying with him here and letting him talk the trash, Foley gets the chair and he sneaks up behind and he's about to... He's about to hit Stone Cold when Stone Cold ducks and he just wraps his chair just around Vince's head. And Vince just crumples. It's one of the best crumpling uh, movements I've ever seen after a chair shot because Vince just, it, it takes him like 13 minutes to collapse. And he collapses right on top of Austin has to like kick and shove him off of him. And um, you then see the fight go back to it. And then Austin hits a stunner. He goes to cover Foley, but McMahon's down. Kyoto runs out to try and make the three count, but then Patterson stops him. And once again, the Undertaker's like, oh, man, I'll allow it. You know, it's fine. I don't give a shit. And then um, <laughs> uh, Patterson then tries, once Foley has the advantage again, he has Austin down. Patterson rolls in, and he tries to he tries to count. And that's when finally old. That's when the conscience finally kicks in of the WWF. He's like, ah, ah, ain't having it, Patty. And he just puts the hand on the throat, lifts him up. It is an awesome choke slam because Patterson jumps more than I think the Undertaker anticipated. So he almost over rotates, and it looks like Patterson's dead. But it's a great looking choke slam through the the announce table. Briscoe tries to get involved the same way. Undertaker choke slams him. Not as much jump from old Jerry, but still puts him through the Spanish announce table. And now we're heading towards the finish here. We're heading towards the big finish. McMahon is still down. Foley gets the mandible claw on Austin. And he had gotten him on, I think, a couple times already. This time, Austin just puts that foot back and just boots him right in the balls. Just a big old ball kick. And a great-looking stunner. It's such a, it makes such an angry sound, this stunner. Like, it just sounds like, it sounds like a legit wrestling hole that could really hurt you bad. And I was talking about the way Foley bumps. He takes some of the best stunner bumps of anybody because he just very simply goes to his knees, takes the bump, and then rolls off. And it just looks, it looks like it really hurts the guy. God dang, it's so good. Because, I'm sorry, like, I I know the how the comedy of how The Rock and how Shane and how uh, even Scott Hall would sell the stunner. And it's like, I, I don't, I didn't like that. I never liked somebody doing all that after a stunner. I just want to see them get, they, they take the stunner and they just take like a back bump and they're done, you know, and nothing, n- no, no, uh, no pomp and circumstance to it and everything. But regardless, Austin drops from the stunner, but like, what's he going to do? McMahon's still down. No, sir. He grabs Vince McMahon, drags him over. And this is where you are really rewarded as a wrestling fan because earlier Vince McMahon said, by my hand and by my hand alone would this match end. Austin takes Vince's hand, he's still out from the chair shot, and counts one, two, three, and Austin is the winner. It is an incredible ovation. And when you watch this again, look at The Undertaker. You can tell he's kind of laughing because it looks just hilarious to see Vince's limp hand being used to count the three counts. Great. But Austin wins. He is emphatic. Like you can tell just how jacked up he is because that crowd is really bought into this match. And with just how well it went, he is so pumped afterwards. 
And there's a moment between him and the Undertaker. You can tell they're laying the seed. They're planting the seeds for, for later on going into the summer, what these guys are going to do together. But it's a it's a cool little moment. It's a cool spot for Taker to come out and just kind of late like just hey, come get in on the fun on beating up the fifty year old man. But um, yeah, this this is a great finish. It's a great payoff. So often in wrestling, you know, we'll watch pretty good build up. The match itself not great. We'll see not so great build up matches. Okay, not often is the build up really good. And then the match is really good too. It's a match that's worthy. Like it, it, it fits everything that we went through. And this is this this is just a great two month period. It really helps get the Austin era started off very very well. Because in, instead of it just pairing him off with like the Undertaker right off the bat or Kane right off the bat, they ease him into this. And what was neat was he's basically given an opponent that's secondary to the real enemy, which is Vince McMahon. And it just happens to be a guy who can do so much in a wrestling ring. Mick Foley, it's a, it's a really... I think this match helps really solidify him, too, and where he's going to be in this Attitude Era. Because I, I don't think... If you just had him come back as Mankind without these matches against Austin, I don't know, I don't know how much sympathy we have for him as we get into King of the Ring and beyond with, with where he's at. You know, as being this guy who thinks he's still with Vince McMahon, but isn't. So, you know, I think a lot of the things why I think this is a, f- a perfect match. Again, I mentioned it was the storylines, the storyline build up to it. Each of the Raws leading up to it just built a little bit more on top of the story. The match itself is definitely the, these great layers, these great layers of it where, you know, the whole, th- the, the master thread is how can Austin overcome the odds, right? How is he going to do it? And you just see how this guy overpowers and just keeps working and working throughout this match. And he's doing it in that bruising, brawling style. It's not scientific at all. You're just seeing this guy throw haymaker right hands, stomps of the gut, chair shots, and a stunner, a ball kick, whatever. Doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, huge, huge fan of this. Huge fan of this. And in some ways, like, this was kind of the 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 peak for me, I, even though like this summer, 98 summer is awesome. It's good stuff. This was just this perfect little micro era within the beginnings of this attitude era. All right. So let's take this thing home. So, uh, I want to hear what your thoughts on this. I really do. I think it's important to keep, keep talking about some of these matches. Like, I think this is a perfect 10. Do some of you all think this is as acclaimed? If so, why, if you don't, Say why as well. It's okay. It's cool. It's it's your opinion. It's fine. Um, but please continue to follow us on Twitter at New Blood Pod. I this is dropping before Best Luck Spot Hall of Fame. We wanted to wait a little bit longer just because we want all three of us to be on there. It's important because it's our anniversary show, and even though we've been doing some of these things where it could be just me, just Charlie the two of us or some other combination of things it needs to be Jason needs to be on that show it's important it's very important so we will get that out uh, we're going to be recording that hopefully next week and getting that out to you guys so in the meantime please continue to follow us on Twitter at New Blood Pod we're on Facebook New Blood Rising Podcast I am at William Rinkin 83 we'll see you all next time kick out kick out cactus 
Goodbye, my friend. That's a goodbye. Goodbye, Cactus. Thanks for the great memories, buddy. You're going to be missed, Cactus. Godspeed, Mick Foley.